Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you, as always, for joining me this week. I'd like to actually start today with a motivational quote by my guest. And my guest, uh, the quote is by Richard Barrett. And the quote says, when we live our lives in alignment with the motivations of the soul, we experience a deep sense of well-being and robust physical and mental health because we are living in a state of energetic coherence. Pursuing your passion, living a balanced life, aligning with the universe, all of these phrases have been incorporated into our everyday language. Easy to say, right? But really, adapting to these adages and accepting their principles may not only affect your mental and emotional state of mind, but also just how you feel physically. Need some help? I know I could use a hand. Richard Barrett's with us today, and we're going to sort all of this out. Richard has a new book called A New Psychology of Human Well-Being, the heart of his theory is that the path to health and well-being involves satisfying one's ego's need and then one's soul's desires. If we're able to satisfy the former, it will be uh, difficult to satisfy the latter. Before he joins us, I just want to fill you in a little bit about his background, aside from being obviously an author. He is an internationally recognized thought leader on the evolution of human values and business and society. He um, He's the founder and chairman of the Barrett Value Center and a very interesting title. Uh, he is the former values coordinator at the, at the World Bank. As the creator of Cultural Transformation Tools, also CT, known as CTT, his organization supports more than 6,000 organizations on their transformational journey. Without further ado, please help me welcome my very special guest, Richard Barrett. Richard, thank you so much for being on. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm very pleased to be with you today. Yes, and um, you know, as you can see, Richard um, is from England, and he's actually residing in Italy right now uh, for the summer. So uh, he lives a very exciting life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Yes, I know. Isn't that a great thing? Uh, so, see, all the information he's going to share with us today will help you. Um, I, I hope, hope everyone listening uh, shift into their greatest self, right, Richard, and and live the life that they're dreaming of. You have a lot of tools in your book, so I think it. I think it'll help everyone create the life that they desire. All right, so let's jump in, and, and I think, you know, in my introduction, I used the word um, human well-being and well-being. Can you define for us what or how you see human well-being? Yes, there's a lot of uh, talk about human well-being these days. Even at the uh, government level, people are interested in measuring well-being, and um, I, I would define well-being as human well-being as the feeling you get when you're able to satisfy the needs of the stage of psychological development that you're at. Now that's an interesting definition because it means that there isn't one definition of one thing that you need to feel a sense of well-being. Uh, for example, a baby not to two years old uh, well-being for that baby is a, a matter of getting its um, 
physiological needs met. It's satisfying its hunger, its thirst, keeping it clean, etc., etc. And the, the baby will experience well-being when the, the, those needs are met. Um, the um, young child from two to seven years old will experience uh, well-being when it feels safe and it feels protected and it feels loved and so on. We can go through different stages, seven stages of psychological development, all the way from being born all the way to you know, the senior years, um, and we can define what exactly is needed in order to master that stage of development and what is needed um, if we are able to manage that and, 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 and satisfy those needs, then we'll feel a sense of well-being. Now let me ask you a question. That, that makes so much sense to me. Do people get stuck in the stages? For example, let's say the child, um, this is tragic whenever you hear these stories, but we all hear the stories of the babies who are abused, who, who you know, aren't fed, who are dehydrated, yeah. right? So if they're not... Being, their basic needs are not being met. I would assume that that would affect their not only well-being but but the, psych, the psyche long term, right? It would be like a building block or almost a domino effect um, that could create a disastrous life. Am I understanding that correctly? That is perfectly correct. So the first three stages of well-being, I've hinted at the first two, not to two, that's surviving, uh, three to about eight, that's um, uh, conforming, that's fitting in and feeling safe, and then differentiating is from about eight or nine years through to 24. And during that stage, what we're, uh, if you like, uh, at the conforming stage, we're trying to fit into our family environment and feel safe, but then we move out into the larger environment, into a cultural environment, we move into the school system, etc., etc., and there, what we're looking for is security. And to feel secure in the world, we need to be able to uh, be uh, acknowledged, recognized, respected for who we are. We need to fit into a peer group um, that, um, where we feel we belong outside of the family group. And problems of care, as you rightfully point out, when you, uh, you know, as a baby, you're not well cared for. Uh, as an infant, a child, um, you are not fully loved and you're not um, protected enough. And when you're a teenager, when you're not recognized and acknowledged by your parents or even by a peer group and you become isolated. So when all of these things happen, you develop fear-based beliefs about not having having enough, not being loved enough, and not being enough. And because at these three stages of development, our mind, our brain is growing and developing. At the, at the first stage, not to two, the reptilian mind brain is growing and developing. It's the dominant mind, and it's all about survival. And from two to eight, um, it's the limbic mind brain that is growing and developing. And from... Um, uh, about nine years or eight years onwards through to 24, the neocortex is growing and developing. It doesn't, it's not 
fully, our brains aren't fully developed until we're like 24, 25. So, so since they're growing and developing, any beliefs that you learn during this period, this first 24 years of your life become hardwired. And if you had difficulties getting your needs met during that period, those beliefs about I don't have enough, I'm not loved enough, and I'm not enough become hardwired. And, and they stay with you and um, make it really difficult to satisfy your soul desires later on in life. So literally, you know, and, and yeah, everybody's got stuff, right, that they're dealing with. No one's had a perfect yeah. childhood or perfect adolescence, etc. If I'm understanding them, it, it would mean that we'd have to get in touch with those deficits. I'm going to use the word deficit. And then almost unlearn those beliefs and relearn new beliefs, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, what that's really all about from the brain's point of view is that like rebuilding synaptic connections from the yes. mind's point of view is exactly what you said. It's about uh, understanding the fear um, and, and giving it a new meaning, but also um, mastering the fear um, or managing the fear so that it doesn't when the fear pops up, you recognize it, but you don't react to it. Um, and so that's all about mastering our fears and mastering our emotions. And uh, we tend, we learn how to do that normally in the individuating stage, which is like from 25 through to 39 or 40. And that's the stage where um, we, be, we, we, we be try to become independent and also how shall I put it not dependent on others for our self-esteem or for our love etc we become viable independent individuals in that individuating stage in the mid 20s to late 30s and if we're successful at that then we can by letting go of our fears or mastering efforts we open open ourselves up to um, soul activation, which is about self-actualization in the 40s, and so on. So absolutely right, we, we, um, to lead a, a, a long, healthy life, not only do we need to let go of those fears, we need to move ourselves through the three stages of soul activation. Yeah, and it can be done. You know, it, it's everybody. I, I think in our society um, globally, we all look for that magic pill, that quick fix. When you're talking about these deep-rooted beliefs, there there really is no quick fix. However, the benefit is astronomical. So you can't afford to not try to work on what you're saying is, is taking the fear, recognizing it, and not reacting to it. Um, you have to tr retrain yourself. Um, there, uh, to me, there's no other alternative, you know. And, and I, I really, again, I think your book speaks to this and is a really wonderful guide for People who know my belief, my core belief system is pretty good, but I think I need some tweaking, um, or my core belief system is really a mess. I think your book really breaks things down and is a wonderful guide to help folks uh, break out of this and retrain their brain, and that's really what we're talking about. Now, in your book also, you, you talk about the ego and the soul, and I alluded to that in the quote and in my introduction. Can you define for us, uh, before we go on break, the ego and the soul, and um, I guess the importance of both? Okay, let's get really straight about this. When 
when uh, shortly after conception in the womb the soul enters the embryo and guides the development of the embryo into fetus and by the time of the fetus is like after about 10 weeks the fetus has a, a reptilian mind brain and then the soul takes a step back into the background becomes the subconscious of the reptilian mind brain or the body mind uh, and so what happens is um, because the, uh, the body-mind uh, feels sensations in the mother's womb, let's say the mother drinks or uh, alcohol or smokes, the, 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 the fetus will feel that and it will cause the body-mind to work overtime it, uh, and, and it will, that, those sensations will create fear in the body-mind which is felt in the soul-mind as a lack of love. Now let's go through the birth process and the first two years of life when the baby is born, it still thinks that the world is, it lives in a state of oneness as if it was living in the soul level, and it quickly learns over the first two years that actually there are other things out there and there are other people out there, and it begins to realize a separation. And so that is extremely painful for the soul too. So the soul actually creates the ego around year two or three to act as a buffer from this pain of a lack of love that the soul is feeling. So then the ego through, goes through three stages of development up to the age of 24. So the ego is who we think we are in this three-dimensional material world. It's, um, it's our personality, if you like. The soul is, lives in a four-dimensional energetic world and shuts down, in a sense, its consciousness to experience this material world. It's like a, it's like a, a, a radio where you tune into frequencies. So the ego mind in a three-dimensional material world can only tune into a very narrow band of frequencies because our senses can only percept, perceive a very narrow band of frequencies. Whereas the soul can, uh, if you tune into the soul radio, you've got a huge band of frequencies. So in order to, in order to experience three dimensional material awareness, the soul dumbs down, if you like, the radio frequencies. So you live as a, you think you're an, a material being living in a physical world, whereas actually you are a soul living in an energetic world and at that level you have no needs because all the needs you have you can meet just through thinking about it. So the soul has no needs. Um, like the ego has needs. The, the ego has needs because it thinks it can die and if you think you can die then you have needs and, if, and then if you don't get your needs met then you get fearful. So the ego uh, gets wrapped up in that uh, system and uh, whereas the soul it's wanting to incarnate in an experience three-dimensional material awareness so that it can create its fourth-dimensional energetic uh, reality in this three-dimensional material awareness. So if you can actually you know, get through letting go of the fears and open yourself up to the activation of the soul, you can lead not only a, a mentally healthy life, you can lead a bodily healthy life because all of those fear-based beliefs that you're holding on to are actually resident in the body or the energetic part the energetic framework of the body and if you don't release them then you'll get sick and you will die and in the book I link all of the I link of major causes of death to the stages of psychological development and the chakra system 
it's interesting. I, I had gone to a retreat with um, a friend of mine. She's uh, very intuitive, I'll, I'll say that. She, uh, you know, sees angels, all those things. Whether people believe that or not, that, that's okay. Anyway, I went on a retreat, and when we had, we did, we did some exercises, you know, journaling and stuff like that to try to get to the root of things that were holding us back. And it was very funny because when she came to me, you know, we kind of debriefed, and she looked at me and she goes, you're afraid of success. And it was so funny because during the exercise, I realized that my fear was of success. So that tell me if I'm totally off base with this, Richard, in my example here. Um, and it's true as I peeled back my onions, right, my onion layers, uh, to look at what my fear of success was. It was you know, how I was raised, that money, um, you know, money uh, doesn't grow on trees, uh, money is the root of all evil, those, those things that you hear as a child, I was holding on to, and my other fear was that people, as if I was successful, people would look at me like, okay, so how did she get successful, who, wh you know, who did she step on to get ahead, and that was another thing, because the root of all evil is, is money, so all of those, um, uh, belief systems I think that I had in place and it's nobody's fault like my parents I don't think said that to, to ruin me or anything I think it's just what we say to our kids um, you know we don't have the money for that money doesn't grow on trees but I really was holding on to that and since I've released that fear um, I can't tell you the opportunities that either I'm seeing that I wasn't seeing before or that are just finding me now because I don't know if my vibration has changed or what, but am I, am I, in what you just said and my interpretation is, am I correct in that example? Yeah, you gave a specific example of fear of success, and when you release that fear, then you, uh, then you stop creating the reality. You see, the fear of success will block your success. So, okay, so you, once you release the fear, then you open yourself up to success. Now, one thing I would say, and it's interesting because many people, probably there are other people listening who have a fear of success, um, I noticed that you define success um, actually mostly in monetary terms and um, you know another way of looking at this is to say well what is success uh, success in life is uh, well-being and so you know you don't have to get stuck with the idea that sex success is all about money it it it, it isn't it, it's about feeling happy feeling joyful feeling healthy that could be success um, and so um, you know we need to really if you have the fear of success you have to really look at it and say well uh, you know what is it what what aspect of success am I actually afraid of so no what you've said is absolutely true when you examine your fears and decide to release them then you open yourself up to uh, uh, living more fully in soul consciousness and 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 actually I mean we sometimes say I have a soul I am a soul I have an inner core I have a higher self but that's not true you don't have those things you are those things you are the soul you are the inner core you are the higher self and uh, and once you realize that you are all of those things then that changes the whole game because really then you does. can rely on your soul yeah. to it, it, manifest what you need. 
Yeah, and, and I have to tell you, it was um, liberating, it was freeing, um, and you you feel the shift once you come to the realization, then you have to do a little work to, you know, change your paradigm of thinking, obviously. Um, but it's remarkable how um, how uplifting, how, how free you feel. I, I guess that's the best word. Let's take a quick break. Um, now, you hit on a little bit about how this can make us sick and, and how we, you, you mentioned healthy as well. I'd like to focus a little bit on that when we come back from break, okay? Thank you. Oh, awesome. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, trainings, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back and we are speaking with uh, Richard Barrett and we're really discussing his, his new book, which I think is, is life-changing. It's called A New Psychology of Human Well-Being and I know well-being is, is really in our everyday language and I think we have found a really good tool um, to help you, again, like I said before, peeling back my own onion, I think it helps us peel back our onion. Now, you alluded to, Richard, the... Um, uh, the baggage, uh, baggage, my word, but that if we don't come through the stages of growth of, of our mind development and the ego and the soul and all of those uh, components, you said that they can make us sick or you, that truly is the well-being of health. Can you talk a little bit, of, you, you said you have exact examples of making you sick. Can you give us one example, for, exa for example? Well, well, let me uh, let me give, first of all. I think the important thing is that to understand that who you really are is an energetic being. There's an energetic template, and on top of that template is this physical, material body. Okay. Now, when you have fear-based beliefs and you uh, uh, you set them up those during the first 24 years of your life, they um, they have an energetic frequency of fear, which is a lower vibrational frequency than love and so in your body you're hanging on to these low f vibrational frequencies of fear now so in order for your body to be healthy you need to live in love and so anytime you're holding on to fear you are creating the possibility that that energetic low energetic frequency of, of fear will at some point in the future manifest as a malfunction in the body and so and that's what happens so let me give you um, some examples of how failure to meet certain stages of psychological development impact our health let me take a, uh, let's start with women and uh, and breast cancer um, breast cancer 
uh, is uh, basically and uh, begins to become significant in the late 40s and early 50s and that's because the 40s is the stage of psychological development that has to do with self-actualization being fully who you are now uh, girls and young women are brought up to sacrifice, to sacrifice their needs for the husband, to sacrifice their needs for the family. And so a failure to fully self-express in the 40s will lead to uh, a blockage, in uh, energetic blockage, because what the soul wants to do in the 40s is ex express itself. But what it wants to do in the 50s is connect with other people and what he wants to do in the 60s is contribute to the well-being of humanity so that's one example for women now men have a slightly different uh, issue and that is that young boys are brought up um, not to show their feelings to be strong and that affects their ability to connect so when you get to the 50s which is all about connection so that you can make a difference in people's lives men have a lot more trouble there than women do and so um, what that leads to is prostate cancer uh, because the prostate cancer is linked energetically to the uh, that stage of development when we're trying to connect in order to make a difference in the world so those are just two examples but I in the book I actually set out many examples of different um, health issues which are linked to different stages of psychological development and also um, I also talk about um, how a failure to meet as to master a stage of development can actually lead to suicide also yeah and and I was, it's funny how you say that because is it, I, I, all right, we hear a lot of suicide that's happening and I always think, is it more suicides than, than in the past, like when my parents were, were growing up, or is it the same, but we hear it because of all the social media and, you know, living in the digital age, right? Everything, if it happens, we know it, you know, even if it happens across the world. So is there, do you see a change in um, the suicide rate, especially among younger people? Yes, yeah, suicide rates are, have been going up for a number of years, and but um, I think it's really important to recognise that um, people in the 15 to 25 range, the differentiating stage, commit suicide for different reasons than the people uh, in the in, in the individuating stage, which is like from 26 through to 39 or 40, which is uh, again a different reason for committing suicide in the 40s and a different reason in the 50s. And recently I've been working with um, the uh, some not-for-profit organizations which are working with the, the the vet administration because there are a lot of suicides among um, vets and uh, particularly the the young ones but also those who uh, sign up for life and come out in their late 40s early 50s and also Vietnam vets and what I'm helping them to do is to see that actually why these people create um, commit suicide is different so why do 
15 to 25 year olds commit suicide because they fail to meet the needs of the differentiating stage of development which is all about being recognized by your peers and acknowledged shall we say by your parents uh, so that you can feel safe feel secure in your framework of existence um, and we see often that um, you know, the, it seems often, but uh, hopefully not that often, that there are teenagers who go to school and shoot people and then commit suicide uh, because they are outcasts. They have not been recognized. They have not found a peer group. So um, finding a peer group where you are recognized is really important to teenagers and very young people in the, in the early 20s. Now, from 25 to 39 is different. That's the individuating stage, and that's where we're looking for freedom and autonomy in order to find out and explore who we really are. And in the book, I talk about some examples. Uh, we look, I looked at the uh, suicide rates in the United Kingdom, and particularly I noticed that in Wales, the highest suicide rates are amongst girls in their late 20s. And I thought, well, why is that? And it was, the answer came almost immediately, because uh, th th there aren't many jobs in Wales for young women. And because, so these w young women in their late 20s can't find work, can't leave home, can't find the freedom and autonomy to explore who they really are and commit suicide. So that's what happens at the individuating stage. Now at the self-actualizing stage in the 40s, again, a different reason for committing suicide. Uh, in, in the 40s, the, the reason is much more about self-actualization and a failure to, to find meaning in life by finding the work that is you're passionate about, by finding your sole purpose. And when you are blocked from doing that because of circumstances, then you get depressed and you will commit suicide. And again, there are different reasons uh, later on in life. So it's really important to understand um, why people commit suicide. And indeed, the number of suicides increases um, from the age 15, it goes on increasing until around the age of 50 um, when it begins to fall off a bit. You know, it's funny, as I'm listening to you, you make it sound um, logical, and, and I'm sitting here going, well, that makes sense, well, that makes sense, and yet this is happening, and people are not happy, and I just read, it was a, a Gallup poll, that it was something like 70% of Americans anyway don't like their jobs. So you wonder that these rates that you said kind of keep going up through the, the 40s, right, and, and, and kind of uh, drops off in the 50s, people aren't happy. They're just not happy, and we spend most of our time at work. So if you're not living your sole purpose or what you should be contributing to the world, um, you know, I guess you, you, you harness this negative energy, and then this is where it leads to ailments as well as suicide. It's just tragic to me. I, I, I always think there's an alternative. You know, there's information out there that really could save your life, whether it be physical or mental. And we have about a minute left, Richard but I, I do want you to take a minute or two. Um, so how can, how can people lead a healthy and successful life? I always like to give a tip at the end so people can listen to the show and then walk away and start to implement something that could shift the change in their life. So what would that be? What would you recommend? Well, um, the first thing to... Uh, 
to do is to get in touch with your feelings uh, because your feelings are actually the conscious appreciation of your emotions and your emotions are all about whether you got your needs met or you didn't get your needs met, whether you're angry and upset, uh, whether you're sad uh, and depressed. It's all about whether you got your needs met. And so understanding what your needs are at each stage of development and uh, understand and managing your emotions and letting go of your fears is basic to leading a healthy and long and happy life. The soul incarnates for three reasons. One, self-expression. Secondly, connection, unconditional love, connection, and making a contribution. And if you can master the first three stages of ego development, get through the individuating stage, that's the, that's the menu on offer for the rest of your life. Self-expression, connection, contribution. What we could do, and I think is vitally important, is to change our school education system so yeah. that we teach kids how to express, how to connect, and how to contribute well before you know, they get to the 40s and 50s so that they get a head start in living out their soul existence. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree with that more. What a, what, that's a big undertaking. Um, we do have to change the education and how, you know, and the, the best example I could give is when a child gets a paperback and they made, let's say they got three points off, in big red letters, the teacher writes negative three and then 97 instead of 100. But instead of doing plus 97, they do negative three. Um, why do we have to always illustrate the negatives instead of building on our strengths? So, you know, I mean, that's just a simplified version. But I, I agree with you. We're, we're teaching kids to manage a test. We're not teaching kids how to manage self and grow within. And I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's messed up. It really is messed up. You know, and I have um, a 17-year-old and a 20-year-old, and you try like heck to provide that inner growth that they need but I got to tell you that the pressures out in the world are uh, are difficult are difficult for the kids today I think I know I wouldn't want to go back Richard <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it over <laughs> well you know it all comes back to teaching children who they really are um, yeah you know we were every, every one of us is an energetic being a soul a living uh, uh, living in this uh, material world but actually we're energetic beings and and if we understand who we really are and 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 that we you know our whole purpose is simply to express our gifts and talents to connect with unconditional love and to contribute to other people if we understand that from the start then we've got an amazing head start no matter what the education system is doing to us I mean you know parents can if they can drill that into their children um, it, it, it's vitally important there's so much so much uh, pressure to you know to get a job which pays well so mm -hmm. that you can survive and and that's not what it's about it yeah. isn't about that it's about well-being yeah it's interesting my son is a sophomore at college we just dropped him off last friday and you know he's trying to figure out his major and and all of that and um recently had an experience where uh, my son had a learning issue through from second grade on 
So he's classified in the school system, which was actually wonderful. Um, Homedale school system did a fabulous job for him. But anyway, he came home and he said, Mom, I think I want to uh, teach kids with special needs because, you know, they feel stupid in school and I know how that feels. And I said, wow, that's a great calling. I, I think you should do that if that's what you want to major in. And his immediate response is, but you don't make good money in that, Mom. <laughs> so I said to him, listen to me. <laughs> it's immediately, see, but that's our society at work. And I said to him, please stop thinking about the money. You have to be happy. You have to contribute. You have to find your passion. And if that is resonating with you, teaching children so that you could teach them how not to feel stupid um, because they're getting the lowest grade in the class or whatever it is, then that's your calling. That's what you need to do. And I said to him, the money will come. You're, you're, you're limiting yourself because of what you think you should be doing, not what your, your inner self is telling you to be doing. And he, he's very uh, intuitive and he stopped and he listened and he goes, well, I have to think about it. And I said, that's all I ask. Just think about it. And, but I love that he, um, he just turned 20, that he's starting to think what what am I supposed to be doing? Not what should I be doing? And the shoulda, woulda, coulda is I hate that. It's what what is your? I I talked to him about his sole purpose and finding that, and everything else will fall into place. And I wish kids um, believe that instead of saying I have to become an engineer, I have to become um, a, a doctor or an attorney uh, because that's how I'm going to make money and be able to provide for my family. No, you provide for your family by being a whole human and be able to contribute to the world because if you do you resonate people will come to you you will make money and you know it's this whole vicious cycle of psyche that we get into which is kind of tragic but um, again we're out of time Richard I loved this discussion I hope everybody runs out and buys your book again um, I'm going to give you Richard's website or of course you can go to Amazon um, but visit his website there's a wealth of information there as well uh, go to www.richardbarrett.com Net, and it's Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-B-A-R-R-E-T-T dot net. Or go to Amazon and look for this brilliant book, A New Psychology of Human Well-Being. Um, I think it's a must-read. Actually, Richard, I think this is a must-read for the school system, <laughs> you know, for the teachers to teach at a younger age. All right. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. And everyone, um, you know, I hope you find our discussions and the folks that I find to have on the show, like, like a Richard Barrett, who's a brilliant author and a, a thought-provoking uh, leader out there. Send me your emails at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Uh, reach out to me. Tell me what you think, what you're looking for, or if you need help. For me personally, um, I do check those emails myself. I don't have anyone do it. So it's Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Uh, Richard, thank you again for taking time out of your day. Uh, just brilliant, just brilliant conversation. I, I really appreciate um, you sharing your time and expertise with us. Oh, you're very welcome. My, it's really, truly been my pleasure. Um, everyone, I hope you'll join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that it is possible and probably even easier than we often think. Um, thanks for joining Richard and I today. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you, and please go out and have an inspired week, everyone. Been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I